This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Whoa, goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he played. Oh, he's the Hello and welcome into the season finale of the non-FBS podcast this year for football. Riley, I can't believe we're saying that here. We're going to, we're already at the end of the 23 season. It seems like just yesterday we were talking about it. We're going to give a look back at it and we're going to look at the all, the all Texas non-FBS team that was released today. We are recording this on a Wednesday that was released uh, this afternoon and so we'll kind of get some reaction on that and take you a little behind the scenes into it i am Corey hope the non-fbs insider at dave campbell's texas football you can find me on your favorite social media channels at Corey hope sports it's all one word c-o-r-y-h-o-g-u-e and sports and you can find my work as always on texasfootball.com joining me is riley zayas the foremost expert in division three athletics you can find Riley on your favorite social media channels at Zayas Riley, Z-A-Y-A-S-R-I-L-E-Y. Also find his work at truetothecrew.com, and you can follow everything True to the Crew. It's all one word on all the social media. Check it out. It's how you're going to find out about everything Mary Harden Baylor. All right, Riley. We'll start with kind of recapping quickly, briefly, the, the 2023 uh, season. This is not going to be a very uh, a super long episode where we give every team and, and everything like that. But it, we're gonna we're gonna start in general, and we'll start with the FCS, where nobody won a conference title and nobody made the playoffs this year. So what we're gonna discuss when it comes to that is should UIW have gotten the playoffs? spot and uh riley i'm curious your thoughts on that yeah Corey. i mean it's such a a difficult thing we we talked about this i guess the last time we recorded which was right before that the selections were going to be announced um i think selections are gonna be announced that that coming weekend and you know it was one of those topics where we really weren't sure and the reasoning behind that was when you start to look at the criteria and everything the way things line up UIW was not all that impressive. And again, this is a situation where national rankings do not necessarily guarantee a team a spot in the postseason. So we knew UIW was a great team this year. Um, they certainly proved on the field when you watched them. They had a lot of talent. But when you get into the criteria and the numbers, they just weren't as strong as you might expect and, and as compared to other teams vying for those spots. I mean, playoff spots – or at a premium, right? There's there's a lot of teams fighting for just a few spots, and ultimately in this case, you know the numbers didn't prove to be you know uh, beneficial enough, I guess, for for UAW to claim one of those spots over some of the other teams in contention who maybe played some stronger opponents in a way. Um, also, again, it comes down to winning percentage too, and things like that, and even a one loss could really hurt your chances. And in this case, it definitely feels like that was the case. So. 
a few things. And I think we're on the same page when it comes to UIW, uh, but a few things. Number one, if anyone in FBS thinks that expanding the playoffs to 12 is going to solve all your debate and issues, you're wrong. We're debating, and there's, what, 32 teams in FCS, I believe, something like that? we're debating, right? Like this is going to happen. It's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. Also, it's a healthy thing. The more teams I believe that you could get into the postseason in a reasonable manner, make it exclusive, but maybe not make it impossible at times. I think the better, right? So if you can expand it a few teams, I'm all for that. I wouldn't expand it a ton because the calendar just doesn't work when it comes to football. It's not like the other sports where you can play all the time. Anyway, UIW, why you didn't make it as an at-large bid, despite the fact that you're ranked in the top 10 in polls, because polls don't matter, right? Polls don't matter. Those are people, you know, these are people that watch football games just like you and I do, and they write down who they think is better and if you were to get them to tell you honestly, they uh, sometimes they truly just don't know. But when you watched UIW this year, there was something that just kind of did seem a little bit off. And I'm not sure what it was. They did handle their business mostly, but I think the, the lack of physicality on the line showed when they when they played Nichols. Which brings me to the point that really cost UIW, and it's their strength of schedule. If before you come to me and complain about not making an at-large bid, then schedule FCS opponents all year. Yeah. Schedule every non-conference game, FCS or FBS, right? I get you got money games, play it. But do not have North American on your schedule for a homecoming game. Do you have 0 and 11 Northern Colorado? I get it, they're FCS, but the reason why you scheduled them is because they haven't been good, right? Abilene Christian is the one true test of your non conference schedule. If you want the Southland Conference to look stronger in the national eyes and you want to change the narrative. Your best team coming into the season cannot be playing North American on homecoming and Northern Colorado. And, you know, Abilene Christian's okay. That's a solid win. You're going to have to play teams that are better. You're, if you want this conference to be known nationally, you got to beat national teams. Let me tell you, take a little page from Lamar, what Ross Amondo and those guys scheduled this year. They scheduled Idaho, right? They scheduled, I think it was, it wasn't UC Davis. That was commerce. They scheduled another one, South Dakota, right? They went to South Dakota. Guys, those are the games you got to schedule. You, you go on the road, you win those games, Southland conference, the, the mindset about the Southland conference changes. That's what you got to do. And that's why UIW didn't make the playoffs. Right. I was just going to say, you know, it's if if anything, right, we know money games are part of FCS football. They they just they exist for, for that reason. Teams need to play them at least one. A lot of teams in order to make everything work uh, at the end of the day, though, going scheduling North American was the one thing that completely hurt their schedule. As you just said, Corey, I, I mean, you go schedule any other FCS opponent. 
even if it's a you know sub 500 FCS opponent, you are going to see a significant increase because the the North American game did absolutely nothing. It, it completely hurts your strength of schedule there. And I think teams need to be smarter in scheduling. I'd also say this too: it's it's not convenient, but you may have to go on the road two or three weeks um, straight, or or you know two or three weeks out of your non conference schedule in order to make those things work in order to go get those games, right? It's not comfortable to go on the road and play another top 25 opponent. You risk taking a loss, but at the end of the day, you at least give yourself a chance, right, to not end up in the same position again versus playing a comfortable home game that you know you're going to win but isn't going to help you in terms of your quest for making the playoffs. I will give them credit in that their first three games were on the road this year, right. and that includes two FCS games, Northern Colorado and Abilene Christian. I, you know what? Northern Colorado finished 0-11. They are FCS. You beat them. That that doesn't go down as a bad win, right? It It's a it's still a win. It's an FCS win. You go on the road to Abilene Christian, you beat them, great. It, it's you got to make a decision of what's more important to you at homecoming. Is it more important that you get a big win where everybody celebrates, or is it more important that you can get a good team in there that's going to give you a challenge and help your resume? Uh, let me just say this. UIW's schedule was set up where they had to win conference to get a bid. That's just how it was set up. If you don't like it, change it going forward. And that's pretty much where we're at for the FCS and the recap. Uh, we moved down D2, Lone Star Conference. UT Permian Basin was by far the best team in the state of Texas. And, Riley, I think one of the points is it it was a down year. It, the Lone Star Conference is in a downtime right now. UTPB is a great team. UTPB earned it. Congratulations to Chris McCullough. Congratulations to Kenny Hernser and Aiden Kelly, all named on the All-Texas Non-FBS team today. Uh, superlatives for these guys, coach of the year, offensive player of the year. Uh, Hayden Kelly was in the mix and we'll get into that here in a little bit on, uh, on the linebacker and how all that works. But my goodness, what Chris McCullough did coming in first year program brought that missing piece, which was a quarterback with him in Kenny Hernser. And, and they rode that all the way to the playoffs. The playoff game did not go well, but listen, that's the first playoff game in program history. They don't tend to go well for teams when it's the first one in program history because of the hype and everything that goes around it. It's a different level in the playoffs. It's a different focus level. Intensity is different. And they found that out. And you know what? They're going to be better for it. And when they return, they'll be ready to go next time. And there's no reason to think they won't return. I know uh, Chris McCullough has hired a new defensive coordinator that he worked with from over at East Central. So there's that familiarity well, and it worked for them there. We'll see how it works out for the Falcons next year. Also, what I'm interested in, Riley, is to see who else steps up to really challenge. Angelo's losing some more guys to the to that transfer portal. You got to replace those with some guys that can play too, right? I, I'm who's going to do it? Is it Angelo? Is MSU going to finally do it? Can Masco have one of those ride off into the sunset type years? Who's the guy, Riley? Yeah, I mean that's going to be the biggest question hanging to this offseason. I think a lot of teams are obviously going to be asking themselves that question because at this at this point in time, right, it really feels like 
anybody can be in the mix next year. We, we don't have any clear favorite. UTPV obviously um, has shown, as they did this past year, that they can and should be considered a favorite next year. But at the same time, this seems like a very wide-open conference looking at it now. And obviously there's a lot of time between now and next season. But, you know, there's opportunities. You're going to lose guys in the portal. It's, it's, it's just a, the unfortunate nature of small college football right now. A lot of guys are going to try to – use, you know, late in their careers, uh, use opportunity to go up to a higher level possibly. Uh, but you can also replace that with incoming transfers, guys that can play immediately. Uh, we saw that with UTPV this year, and it, it worked out well. You got to have the right transfers in your program. But if you can go out and get a couple of key players that can be impactful and step in right away, it can make you a contender immediately. And I think that's what we're going to end up seeing this offseason is coaches here in this league really trying – to, 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 you know, use, use the transfer portal, their advantage. And let's be honest too. There's a lot of teams with some young talent that that's coming along and next year with another year under their belt, you know, they could take that step forward that they, that they were close to doing this year, but just couldn't quite get over the hump. Well, and, and I'm, I'm curious to see what minds does next year. You know, we we're still dealing with these super seniors at all these levels, right. Right. Uh, but it seems to have more of an effect at D2 and D3 than it has at the top levels, I believe. And so those are starting to cycle out, and I think we'll see that. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where the Lone Star Conference goes. But the same could be said about Division Three schools, especially when you're talking Mary Harden Baylor. You know, this year, Trinity, Trinity had a season. Uh, they they rolled through after a little hiccup in the first game, which, look, that, that actually, I think, did them a lot of good more than it, it hurt them in that case. They rolled through the SAA. They were very impressive against Harden Simmons. You know, I, I want to touch on just briefly their game against North Central because they had a real chance. They got down early. Things did not go the way they wanted to the first couple series, right? You don't – you don't get just physically manhandled on the ground and then fumble the ball on the kickoff return. Then they get physically manhandled again. Now you're down 14. But that's when I, I even put it on Twitter at time. That's when you're going to find out what Trinity has. And what we saw was Trinity is exactly who we thought they were. They're a team with just incredible grit and determination. They came right back. Tucker Horn led them right down the field. They tied that game up at 14. They got to stop a three and out. It was at 14 and it was anybody's game. Then they got crazy after that, right? Like North Central's yeah. just on a whole nother level. It's not even close. Like Riley, I don't think people understand. I didn't understand until that game that North Central is maybe one of the best division three teams I've ever seen. And there's a lot of talk about that, Corey, and just the larger Division Three community that, you know, this North Central team, this this kind of run that they've had over the last several years could really challenge Mount Union's run in the 90s uh, and what Mount Union did as a dominant force of top Division Three. You know, it feels like a couple of years ago, you know, we had several teams in the mix every single year. This year, it's just it's North Central far and away, right? And I don't want to rule out the possibility of Wartburg uh, taking them down uh, this week in the national semifinals, but North Central is just on a completely different level. And to be completely honest, it feels like all these programs that have been in the mix for several years now, Mayor Baylor included, are going to be just chasing them uh, for the years to follow because this is something that you know North Central is built, and it doesn't seem like they're slowing down anytime soon. The recruiting is coming in very well. And with that, I want to say Trinity fought extremely hard 
throughout the entire game, right? They, they go down by a lot. It's tough to play in that position, but I never saw anybody on either side, either side of the ball for Trinity back down, uh, you know, give up, take, take it easy, right? Because they knew that the, that the margin was just a little too far at that point. So I think that speaks a lot to, to Trinity's culture and the culture Jeremy Urban has kind of built uh, there in San Antonio. And I know they're going to be losing a lot of fifth-year guys, as I'm sure we'll touch on here in a second, but this is a team that that's they're recruiting well. They got a lot of guys coming up. Um, a lot of guys have been getting reps. That's what something Coach Urban's been talking about. You know, throughout the course of the regular season, he makes sure to get those younger guys reps. And, and I think that's going to benefit them moving forwards. And you know, we can see Trinity all on par for for some very successful seasons to follow. They know what it takes to play at this level now, um, having played North Central, having played St. John's. And they, I have a feeling, are going to use that knowledge to their advantage moving forwards. I agree. But here's what I'm going to tell you about Trinity. I see them as where Mary Harden Baylor was last year. Right? And I'm very, very interested to see what happens when 2026, up to 26, I believe it was, super seniors, when they leave, what does it look like? Because, yes, they've been playing the young guys, and that, that helps but that's your starters next year, right? What about the guys behind them? You haven't been able to really develop that depth needed. And I think that's what we saw with Mary Harden Baylor this year, to be honest with you. They were a very young team. Harden Simmons won the ASC. They deserved it. They had some super seniors, but they not as many, not near as many as like what Trinity had. Uh, but there's a lot of teams in even the ASC now that are in the SCAC that are going to be losing a lot of players. Uh, they're losing a lot of guys. And here sits a UMHB team that's mad. They're licking their wounds, right? But that's a young team that was still top 25 level. Yeah. And and they were disadvantaged by about four to six years by some guys <laughs> out there on the field, right? That's a big difference. Next year, it starts to come down a little bit. I don't think UMHB stays down for long. I really don't, Riley. I don't either, Corey. And, and obviously, this is going to be a topic we discuss, I'm sure, a lot coming next year in our season preview. But, you know, the AAC will be down to four teams. And and that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow. That conference is wide open. It, it, you know, I, I'm sure people have been tracking on Twitter. Uh, there's been a lot of transfer portal announcements from both Mary Harden Baylor and Harden Simmons, a lot of really talented Harden Simmons players uh, who are going to be transferring out. Um, using their grad years to, to possibly go to a higher level. Uh, so this is going to be interesting. They, you know, We could see some very young teams for different reasons, one being the transfer portal and another just being graduation, uh, especially down there at Trinity. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how these teams respond. I, I, you know, I, I think there are certain schools that may benefit more from incoming transfers, but I think at the end of the day, all these programs would like to start building now with the freshmen because you're gonna you're not gonna be able to recruit as many transfers moving forwards with that COVID year um you know being being finished after next year. So you're gonna have to go back to the old way of you know four four years you have with guys. So you need to start building now with your freshmen developing them. But it'll be interesting because you're right, Corey. These were you know Marion Baylor was a young team last year and this you know almost the whole roster is gonna be back um as far as we know right now and and they're a team that they 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 don't want to be down for long, right? They 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 know the tradition there, and they want to uphold that, and that's going to be something to follow heading to next year. It definitely will be. Now, quickly, 
to cap out D3. We got the SCAC starting next year. Right now, off the top of your head, who do you think should be the favorite next year in the SCAC? And that's going to be a tough one, Corey. That's a good question, man. It is. I think, honestly, if if you're looking for a great conference to follow next year, look at that one because there's going to be a lot of programs. Part of me says McMurray after what we saw this past year from them in the ASC. I thought they took some real steps forwards. Uh, you know, they, they, they got things going there that should continue into the SDAC next year. Centenary is also in the mix, in, in my opinion, but they don't have, I mean, next year will be their first year playing a full varsity schedule uh, within a conference and all of that. And that can take a little bit of a learning curve. McMurray's been this spot where they play in the ASC. They face good competition year in, year out. I think they're going to be ready to go take the SCAC by storm and probably be the favorite as we head into next year. And Texas Lutheran, obviously, will be right there as well. That was probably my most improved team of the year would be McMurray. I think what Jordan Neal did there was very impressive this year. He knew it. He knew he could. He told me. He said, Corey, I I understand why you're putting me so low, but you'll see. And I said, well, then prove it to me. And he did. And that, you know, same with Chris McCullough at UTPB. He's coach of the year. You want to know why he's coach of the year? Because he told me from the first time I talked to him, Corey, we're going to win a conference title here next year. And I was like, that's a lot to say. And he was like, yeah, no, we are. And he didn't lie to me. right? Right. He went out and did it. I think McMurray's got to be your favorite uh, there. We look down a little further to the NAI level and to the Sooner Athletic Conference. Uh, you're going to have Texas Wesleyan. I think um, Wayland Baptist will see what, what Marco Sinojo Sr. can do there in his second season with a full offseason here to get some guys in. Sagu's going through another head coaching change now. Greg Ellis resigned. So we'll, you know, the Lions are going through. Are they going to go back to offense? Are they going to back to defense? There's a lot with that SAGU program right now that we're going to be looking for going into next year. Texas College is still building, but I'll tell you, yeah. Jarrell Jackson is doing a really good job. They're going to start to see more results uh, next year, I believe. And uh, let's see, did I leave anyone off? Texas Wesleyan, Wayland Baptist, Texas College. And there's a fourth one, Sagu. I did not. How about that? All of them. I got them all right there. And then uh, you go down to the junior college and, you know, these guys are freshman, sophomore, and then they're gone. Right? Like that roster turnover is so much all year long. Uh, Another thing about JUCO guys is – they they laugh at the transfer portal. They really do because they've dealt with it forever. Guy teams come in, power five teams come to their spring game and take their players. Right? There is nothing keeping these guys from going to these power five schools. Uh, but the Southwest Junior College football conference will be good next year. And look, Willie Gooden led Kilgore to the national semifinals. Uh, they they earned their way there. They they only lost one. One game, two games all year, I believe. That's incredible. With the schedule, how hard it is to do that, to get to those national semifinals uh, before he had to go on the road and face a really good uh, Iowa Western team last Sunday. I think Kilgore is going to be another team to watch. Watch Tyler, too, right? Tanner Jacobson had them playing really well at the end of the year. Trinity Valley is always really good. Uh, 
and don't don't count out Cisco what Stephen Lee did in right. one year. Now he's got a full off season. He's not just taking over at the end of March. What's he going to be able to do with a full year? Uh, those are the things I'm looking for at those levels, Riley. And I'm curious uh, your thoughts on those. Yeah, Corey. I mean, it, when you look at the junior college, uh, you know, I think what Stephen Lee did at Cisco could really be the start of something special moving forwards. Um, you know, when 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 people come in as as a coaching staff and they're they're hired somewhat late, right, late in the recruiting cycle, and and they are able to bring in talent, but also use the talent that's already there in a way, and and, and use it to their you know to their advantage and, and turn it into a successful year. Um, all things considered, right? I think that's that's a sign that we could see more when Stephen Lee has a full year uh, to, to go about recruiting and pulling some more guys into the program and recruiting his type of guy a little bit more with a little bit more time, obviously. Uh, those are all things that could really set up Cisco well. Um, I think, you, you, like you said, you always got to consider Kilgore uh, to be in the mix there. And you're right. I mean, the, the turnover on these rosters is so high year in, year out. Uh, but I think there's a lot of talent that that we even saw some some freshmen this year who, you know, returning as sophomores potentially uh, we will see, you know, kind of take a step forward, um, especially, you know, I think Trinity Valley had a couple of guys that, that really could, if they return next year, take a take a big step and help them obviously continue competing top that league. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's going to be really interesting to follow. And, you know, NAI wise, I, I think you covered it all, but, you know, Texas Wesleyan just, they're not, they're knocking on the door to something something great, and I think uh, this year was was a tough tough way uh, for things to go and and end. But um, they're going to be there for it, and I think they're going to recruit well. I mean, they seem like a program on the rise uh, in terms of recruiting, and recruiting's where it's at really in terms of continuing the consistency and the foundation being built. And uh, they're on a good good path there right now. Uh, Joe Prudhomme and his staff, they're, they're good. they do a great job recruiting, but they're just going through those growing pains that uh, right. a, a program goes through. This is how you do it. This is what happens. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to win. It's hard to make the playoffs. Uh, uh, you know, it's just hard to do those things. I, wa- I want to read backtrack a little because I, I can't believe that I forgot my favorite uh, F- FCS conference this year was the SWAC West because Prairie View took a SWAC West title they were not conference champion they did lose in the conference championship game to florida a&m but hey bubba mcdowell getting them to win the southwest that that's huge to win that the swack west division uh there for them and that's huge moving forward while texas southern's going through another coaching change they they you know they had some talent clarence mckinney did a good job bringing that program up but they decided they want to go a different way instead of allowing that to continue to flourish. Uh, I wrote some thoughts about that, that you could read on texasfootball.com a couple weeks ago as to what are the issues going on there right now. There are no issues over in, in Prairie view and PV has it going on. And I think uh, next year they may, they may even be a little bit better. Yeah, I, I definitely think they're, they're on a good track right now, Corey. I mean, they, they, seemed like they generated a lot of momentum this year and just watching them progress throughout the season. I think we, we both kind of went from a point where we were somewhat, you know, unsure of what to, what to think of them early on. And as the year went on, you know, the, the confidence in, in what they could do grew more and more as we saw what they did on the field. Um, you know, they competed well, you know, this, this past Saturday. And um, I think they're in a spot where they could really use this season as leverage moving forwards 
um, you know, to finish, you know, in a, in a solid year next year. I mean, to, to win, you know, go six and six this year is, is a solid step forward for that program. I think, you know, he finally has the guys that he wants in there. And, and when you have that, all that's left to do is just put it all together, right. Make sure all the chemistry flows. And I think they're getting very, very close to that at this point. And again, their rushing attack throughout this year was fantastic. And I certainly expect that to continue um, into next year. Yes. Uh, they can run the ball. PV has been able to run the ball for uh, a few years now. And I think uh, Bubba McDowell, he told me before the season started that they had to learn how to win those close games to finish. And they did that this year. And that's why they were the West division champions of the SWAC and congratulations to them. Puts a nice little pretty bow on our 2023 season. And before we move into talking about the old Texas non-FBS team, I want to let you know that we are a podcast on the Republic of Football Network and an extension of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Megaphone, whatever platform you use to find us. Please like and subscribe to it. Also, find us on the social media Republic, uh, Dave Campbell's college football accounts, our Dave Campbell's account. Give us follows, like, share. That's how you help us grow. Uh, before we get into the the non-FBS team, Riley, um, we've been gone the last couple of weeks. I had said we were going to be recording, but life happened. We had some life issues getting away, and and sometimes you have to do that. And so I we had to deal with some life issues on the podcast that said, there was a pick. Our picks going into, we all had the same picks. We knew we had a couple weeks left, and I had a one-game lead. And I said on that last podcast we recorded that I was picking Trinity regardless. And I looked on D3Football.com, and Riley did not. Well, you know what? That counts as a win in this book. And so <laughs> we're just ending up tied 71-47 and 47. Uh, for the year neither one of us gets bragging rights this year Riley nope I mean uh after all those games and all those weeks to end of time I mean you know I am proud that we there for a little while I mean it was it was rough uh it was know, touch and go that we were going to break 500 <laughs> some tough weeks so I think all things considered we finished pretty pretty well and you know I mean in, in past years we kind of would have expected to pick more more playoff games or have more playoff games to pick as it turned out, we didn't, we didn't have a whole lot of those this year. So it was a lot based on the regular season. And you know what? I mean, uh, I think I think we both finished better than we started. So I'm um, going to consider that a win. But uh, definitely looking for, uh, you know, more success moving into next year. Because, I, I, you know, I think we both were a little disappointed there early on with, with how we picked things. I definitely do better picking high school than I do college. <laughs> that's a that's a guarantee. And I've, I've had uh, a lot of... Uh, high school effect I, i've got like a nine game lead over jonathan hole yeah. which i know he's not listening but if he is <laughs> i know <laughs> how much it bothers you but anyway i <laughs> he he tried to catch up i had i took an extra four games on my lead last week would going around the state with some of the teams so like it's fun right like it's all good fun we like these yeah, I was a little bit like okay finishing 24 games above 500 I'll, okay that's fine 24 games that's fine I'm above, but yeah, I wasn't necessarily early in the season, man. We just didn't. And I wonder, I'm curious how next season's going to go because you know, there's so many question marks. What do we really know about these teams going in? I think that's what makes it so hard to pick them, especially early in the season. 
because every team changes so much now. Right. You just don't know. I mean, you don't know from year to year. And and really, too, I mean, that's that's kind of why we love college football, right? Why we love small college football. There's so many contenders. And what I really like is we've seen teams across the board the last few years really scheduling tough. So by team scheduling tough, you know, we're getting these games where there are two top 25 opponents and, uh, you know, the, the margin between them is so so thin that you really don't know who's the favorite in any game. It's, you know, a lot of 50-50 games. And I think you got to appreciate that about the fact that these coaches are going out and scheduling tough games. But for us, picking them it definitely makes it a lot harder. Yes, it definitely does. And so now we move on and talk about the All-Texas non-FBS team that was released on Wednesday. If you're listening to this, that was probably, that was this last Wednesday. It was Wednesday, December 6th. So you know when we're recording, it was today. And the, the team has expanded, Riley. I, I You know, over the years, it started as just one team. So there literally was 22 players on the first team. It's expanded now. We're up to 40 players. Uh, 24 schools represented. I was actually impressed with that. Really, really happy to know that able to really diversify some of that love out there. And there were a bunch of schools that got three players, some that may raise some heads. UMHB, oh, they didn't play. I don't care. It's not about record. Like, you can't tell me those three aren't some of the best in in Texas in non-FBS football. Uh, But also instituted for the first time a player of the year. And the first winner of that one was Tucker Horn uh, of Trinity. I don't think that that can be challenged much at all. Offensive player of the year, it's got to be Kenny Hernser, UTPB, unbelievable quarterback. Every coach I talked to said he was what made that that offense go. He had great receivers, but he was the reason is what every coach told me. That secures you a spot when I hear that. Then you've got Caleb Harmel, who, oh my goodness, you watch that guy play. It is impressive how good he is. To know he was recruited as an athlete and, and to hear Jeremy Urban say that he had told him, if if you buy into the, being a linebacker, you can be an All-American. Well, he's a three-time All-American linebacker. Incredible career. Defensive player of the year. Coach of the year, Chris McCullough. Look, he told me, right? Like, he told me in before the season he was going to win a conference title, and he did. Uh, the first time I talked to him, we're going to win a conference title, and he did. Uh, but that's really impressive. It's really hard to do. And he, he came in, he took over a team that had a lot of good defensive talent, a lot of good offensive talent. But they needed a few things. He galvanized them. He brought all of that together. He got them focused, led them to their first Lone Star Conference title, and it was outright, and an appearance in the playoffs, a home game nonetheless. There were about eight coaches, Riley, I think, that uh, had a chance to kind of be in the mix for this. Now, I, I will say player of the year, that wasn't a question. Offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, there was no question. The coach of the year, man, there's a lot of good candidates. Uh, You could go through from Braxton Harris, Todd Witten at Tarleton. What a great year he had there, right? Jeremy Urban at Trinity, Jesse Burleson, Harden Simmons winning the ASC for the first time. Uh, You know, you've got uh, Jordan Neal, that improvement of he took Tar uh, um, McMurray. You've got Peter Rosamondo at Lamar. Look what he did. Braxton Harris at, at Houston Christian. Look what he did with that team this year. There are a 
Willie Gooden of Kilgore, right? They're national semifinals. Obviously, he's up there. There's so many candidates. But McCullough, in my opinion, separated himself this year. I think he really did. I, I think part of this too, Corey, I mean, you bring up some names there that that were first-year uh, head coaches, Braxton Harris obviously being a pretty notable one there, uh, you know, Pierre Rosamondo down at, at Lamar. Uh, but, but you also, you know, when, when you take over a program in, in your first year, you're not only trying to just get them to win, you're also trying to instill your own style of play, your culture in the program, right. And kind of what you want this program to be. Right. And, and at this point, I mean, what he did to walk into that program and, and, and immediately elevate it to the, to the point where they went undefeated in the conference, I, that just speaks for itself. I, I think, uh, you know, he, he did so much for that program in such a short amount of time. You, you know, you can't go wrong with any of those guys that you mentioned, Corey, you know, as potential candidates for coach of the year. But McCullough certainly uh, did a great job there in, in elevating UTPB to where it was uh, for much of the season right there in that conversation. I mean, it felt like we were talking about them every week because they were just accomplishing something else. And, and that's really it goes back to the leadership of the program and starts at the top with, with the head coach. It does. And it wasn't always positive and they weren't always happy with me, but you know, we, they made it through and they still won conference. So there it is. Now I, I'm not, there's 40 players. I'm not going to name all 40. I do want to, this is a very hard list to get down to 40. Uh, I'm really happy that I've been able to expand it to 40. I will also say the list will see no more expansion. This is it. I'm going to, it's limited to 40. There will never be a second team as long as I'm here. Uh, running this because I just I don't believe there needs to be I, it loses exclusivity when you go past one team right like uh, all Americans give me one team let's get the best uh, that's just how I am I maybe I'm crazy <laughs> but this year being able to put in quarterback of the year go through position by position specialists of the year really happy to be able to do that gives a chance to honor more guys. And so let me tell you how I have a spreadsheet. I have a Google sheet that I open up and I have all the positions listed. And then I go through and I just start putting down quarterbacks. Who who's, who's in consideration for this award at quarterback, right? What all can matters, of course, your team, how your team does, right? You a winning team, you're in consideration uh, especially if you play a big role in it, like both, uh, like a Tucker Horn did or a Kenny Hernser, right? Like you're obviously up there. Uh, I, your stats, especially your touchdown to interception ratio, completion percentage, those things are important. Not that I don't necessarily look at passing yards as much, but you need a good amount of attempts usually, or, or if you run a triple option offense, you need to do that well, right? Like, so I do that. I do that position by position. I go through every position. I put that down. The one position I don't have any stats for is offensive line, which makes it one of the most difficult uh, to pick, especially because there's so many that are worthy of being on an offensive line every year. Uh, there's so many at all these, right? Like as, as I go through it, I'm looking, what is the difference? So I, I – Basically, I go through. Then I then I start, and I start with my, okay, who's my player of the year, right? I get my superlatives out of the way. I, I get my top four, player of the year, offense, defense, player of the year, coach of the year. Then from there, I just start putting them down. Who's on the team, right? And now one of those, then I, of those that are left, 
I go and I look at I, I look at everything. I look at stats. I look at how the team did. I start comparing here and there, and then I make a decision of you know what I think this person's here. This person goes here, right? Landon McKinney, quarterback of the year. Hard to argue with that. Zach Calzada made the team. I think he deserved that. Last year there would have been no Zach Calzada on the team. Right. So this is what it allows us to do. Um, but there's some players here that I do want to mention that are are of that were the best of their position. Some of them stood out by far. Ladarius Owens at Texas Southern setting school records. Brandon Porter, UIW, you know, Coach Kello told me before the year that man was gonna have a great season, and he did. Uh, Miguel Valdez, he he was the leader of the Arden Simmons offensive line. That was a good offensive line. Uh, Stephen Parker, who has entered the transfer portal from UIW. Uh, let me tell you, Stephen Parker is a beast. Look at his stats if you don't believe me. Also look at the stats of Jacob Williams of Texas Southern. My goodness. They're without a coach, and they've got two players that are the best at their positions on this list. That, that tells you just how much that program has improved uh, under Clarence McKinney. So Jacob Williams there, and then Patrick Jolly was a shut-down corner uh, for Abilene Christian. And, and then you start looking at specialists of the year, and as soon as you've got return touchdowns in your resume, you're likely to get the win, and that's Demaje Harris of Lamar but even at that, I mean, look, you got place kickers, right? You got Kyle Ramsey of ACU. He was really good with his accuracy this year. And he hit 50, 54 yards, I believe it was, right? You've also got Ritze Vase of MSU. The guy also hit from 54 yards, a game winner at that. His percentage was not – he had a couple of weeks. He didn't do well. Guys, that's how hard this team is to get on is kind of my point here. So – how I go about it, that's how I do it. I write these names out. There's a ton of names. And then I just start going through and comparing resumes until I get those 40. Uh, and there's always deserving people left off. Always. Are. And I'm curious, Riley, who you think might be kind of some some obvious uh, submissions that were left off this year? Yeah, I mean, Corey, it, it's it's so tough because I think when you go down a list like this, right, there's there's a lot of players and a lot to compare and consider, uh, you know, as as you go down the list and, and look at things. I mean, you know, I, th I honestly, man, I think you did a pretty good job of of putting as many guys down there as as you could, right? Because you're you're somewhat limited. Um, I think you know, really at that specialist position, you know, there, there's some kickers. You mentioned their names, but they came to mind when I was looking at this list earlier, um, because you know, honestly, kickers play such a big role in a team's success uh, at certain points. And we saw it with Midwestern, right? I mean, you, you, to hit a field goal from that distance with the pressure uh, is just outstanding, and 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 they have a tough job week in week out. You're battling wind, you're battling all these things. And, uh, and so, so those were guys that, that kind of came to mind um, that really, I mean, again, like you said, they, they were worthy of it, but, but there just wasn't really a spot there uh, for them. I mean, when, when you go down the list too, you, you look at guys um, like, uh, you know, and this is a guy that's on there, but, you know, Landon McKinney um, did so much for that program, not only this year, but, but in the years leading up to this and very worthy of that. I know people have expressed their thoughts on Howard Payne's offense. They throw the ball a lot. So the passing yards are inflated, but look at what he does in addition to that, right? I mean, he has 
typically a very strong completion percentage. Um, and I don't have those stats in front of me right now, but just a playmaker, a guy who really made a lot of great plays. Um, so not a ton of submissions, Corey, that, that come to mind. Um, but I think there, there are certainly a lot of guys that you watch on any given weekend and they're playing with the best of the best. And I think it just goes to show you too, that this state has so much talent across the board. Um, and a lot of it coming from the, from the great high school programs here uh, that, that we're really treated to some outstanding players to watch each Saturday at every level. And uh, guys that are in contention for this, you know, who, you know, for, for one reason or another, um, just, you know, whether it be a big performance or, or a big stat that they had consistently throughout the year, like it puts them in this conversation. So we definitely have a lot of talent here at this level. We do. And let me go through some of the positions and maybe give you some of the players that missed the list uh, that had outstanding seasons and have every right to be upset. They're not on this list. And, and one of those, of course, is a wide receiver, right? Like there was so it's always so deep at wide receiver. Uh, Jeremiah Cooley from UTPB. He's one that uh, that's a hard one to leave off, right? Yep. Zorhan Rideau at Angelo State had a great season. Of course, Ryan Merrifield made it from Trinity. He he made yeah. it on there. Uh, Michael Phoenix from Kilgore. This guy's being looked at by Sam Houston. Like he's he's a really good player. He didn't make the list there. You know, Kylon Harris of Stephen F. Austin, another worthy guy that they, look wide receiver is just a deep position. Uh, another one is linebackers. Linebacker was a hard. Tylen Foster didn't make it from UIW. Matt Mitchell from Harden Simmons. I mean, these these are guys that have everything you need to be on the team. Vincent Page from Kilgore, he was another one. Uh, you know, defensive backs. Daylon Rogers, Texas Wesleyan. Darion Taylor of Commerce. Chris Baker, McMurray. Uh, Max Epps of Commerce, right? Like, Max Epps is a was, great defensive back. I was just going to say that didn't make the team you know so it's so hard to get this narrowed down uh and for defensive backs a lot of times i i you know i realize you may not get as many opportunities but if you if if you defend a lot of passes and you intercept a lot you're probably done pretty good at your position right i mean i was just gonna throw in a couple more names that come to mind now as i think about a little bit more as we're talking i mean uh, you know, Ronald Wilson was a guy for, for UIW throughout this year who I just thought made a lot of big plays at big times to keep them in games uh, on defense. Uh, Noah Garcia was a running back who I got to see in person for Harden Simmons. And, you know, stats-wise, he, he shared some of the carries with, with Colton Marshall there in the backfield. But Noah Garcia, I mean, he was a, such a dynamic player that if he got an open field, it was really tough to catch him, right? Like, he made that that Harden Simmons rushing attack go in a lot of ways. And, uh, I mean, he's one that I, I think really has a chance, honestly, to, to have a chance to maybe play it at the next level in terms of, you know, at some point professionally uh, somewhere just with his skill set and what he brings, uh, you know, as a running back, but also as a pass catcher out of the backfield, versatile guy. So that would be another one that kind of comes to mind as a guy I saw. Um, that, that had a lot of talent and, uh, you know, again, there's, there's running backs is a very deep position too, uh, here, here in the state, a lot of great running backs across the levels. Noah Garcia was the first one out. Uh, I will, I, I can, I can tell you that. Um, and, and it was like no offense, but Ladarius Owens in the season, yeah. he had numbers he put up, right. Kayvon Britton. If you watch that man, he's a highlight reel at Tarleton. Oh, yeah. Devin Cross 
had, it was look, it, everybody knew MSU was going to run the ball 50 times a game. And yet he was able to get out there. He has speed quickness. Uh, Noah Garcia, he has every right if he to be upset about being left. He he deserves a spot on this team. It's just hard, right? Like that's that's some of the things that make it so hard. There's there's so many others that we could talk about uh, on here. Dylan Fedor, the place kicker at Houston Christian, right? Like he he has an argument with Rizzo Vesa and and Tyler Heidel Heidel, I believe Huddle. Yeah. Yep. At Heidel. Trinity, right? Like I mean those. All three of those guys were were just it was just razor thin margins to choose one kicker out of all of those four kickers, right? Like it's right. That just is an idea of how difficult I I spend a lot of time on this team. It is something that uh, I know I don't get a hundred percent right, and and that's okay. But uh, boy, it's not for a lag of effort, you know. It, it definitely I try to get the players that deserve to be on here a spot and you know Trey Taylor of Tyler I mean you look at his numbers the guy was averaging almost 100 yards a game how do you not give get a guy like that in there uh and and so you talk about Noah Garcia splitting carries it does hurt him when it comes to some of these things because they're not getting as many as other guys would yeah yeah and that's certainly part of it that you have to consider and Stats wise, I mean, sometimes it doesn't doesn't play out that right way. But um, I mean, we again, like, there's just so much depth too. I think it's, uh, you know, you, you can't go wrong with any of the guys you choose, right? Well, you can because people will tell you you can, but you know, that's there's a case to be made though for for so many different guys. You can right? look, you can make a case and please do it right. Like, I want to hear <laughs> your case because that tells me you're passionate. And you follow the sport, and we'll probably end up sparking a conversation that uh, that we come back to and discuss football. Because if you can give me reasons why, let's go. Right? Like we'll we'll talk football for a while. Riley, it was a fantastic season. I really appreciate you uh, being a part of this podcast. And I know we have discussed, and um, I'm sure we got clearance to do a basketball podcast. Uh, we have talked about doing that. That will probably be, we're going to wait till the holidays, the first of the year comes. There's a, a lot going on um, in the next few weeks. I've got state next week where I'll be uh, down in Arlington for that. And then, you know, you got Christmas the week after that. And then bowl season is coming up. I've got all kinds of things going and, oh. and travel. Life is busy. Work is busy. It's a great time of year. I love the holiday season, but it is very busy. So we'll be back after the first of the year, after things kind of calm down. Maybe, may wait till mid, early mid-January. We'll see. Because I know the uh, FBS championship is coming too, and that is in Texas this year. So that also can create some conflicts. But we'll fit it in. We'll get some basketball to you, uh, definitely, Riley. But but more importantly, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you being on this. It was a lot of fun, Corey, week in, week out. I mean, I thought we did a great job uh, breaking things down. I enjoyed learning a lot from you and your perspectives on things. And uh, certainly hope I was able to add some some perspective and insight to, to this podcast. Uh, it was it was fun to cover it all and talk about it each week. And again, I mean, like I've said so many times, we just we have so many great programs here in the state of Texas. Like we're so 
so uh, so blessed to, to be able to talk about you know so many playoff teams every every single year and playoff worthy teams and teams in contention for conference titles. So it's a lot of fun getting to to talk all all about the uh, the non FBS level here in in the state of Texas. Absolutely, no one has ever told me they learned something from me before. <laughs> it's never happened. Well, yeah, man, you got a lot of great insight. I'll tell you this: it, it was, it, you, you give me a lot of credit for being a foremost expert on Division Three. Um, I, I got to learn a lot about you know the FCS and Division Two levels more than I had uh, doing this podcast. So it's it's been a lot of fun, and I, I like the fact that uh, we were able to to debate and discuss uh, on this podcast each week. And certainly hope uh, people enjoyed uh, enjoyed our podcast. Yeah, and look, you bring a lot of insight into this, and a lot of. Uh, you know the Division Three, like I know Division Two. We followed it forever, right? Now you're starting to get into following some of the FCS and and JUCOs and stuff, and I've I've been doing that now for quite a few years. Uh, so that's an advantage that I have of that experience, and it's fun. But each level is different. Each level is a little bit of a different challenge, and and I'm really glad because D three is such a unicorn level, right? There's no other level like. Yeah. Nobody, everybody else has athletic scholarships and, and different things. Division three does not. And you're able to bring in that, that knowledge base that you have of it is just amazing. And, and really, again, just very happy to have you on the show. For sure. For sure. No, can't wait till next year. Hey, that, that sounds good. I like the way that sounds <laughs> for Riley Zayas. I'm Corey Hogue. We want to thank each one of you for listening to us this year. Uh, we really do appreciate each one of you who click on this and listen to us bloviate and talk about college football and these teams. And, and we also appreciate the feedback we get on social media from you, uh, letting us know certain things. Thank you to everyone. There's so many people. Look, guys, it takes a village uh, to make this work. And, and I want this, the non-FBS coverage at Tech, Dave Campbell's Texas football to be the absolute best. And to do that, I need all of you to be on that bus with me as we all go forward and discuss things and you know, it's going to be an interesting time, Riley. Uh, there's a lot of changes coming and who knows, there may be surprise podcasts every now and then if things break. <laughs> so We'll see, with, man. With that we'll said, see. with that said, until next time, thank you so much for joining us. And until we meet again, stay safe.